I V M. On this episode of Paisa Paisa, I speak with Rishi Anand, Chief Business Officer at Aadhaar Housing Finance. Folks, if you're looking for a home loan, if you're looking for your own dream house, a place for you to stay in, then you should be listening to this episode because we are going to be talking about how a home loan works and covering all aspects: documentation, fixed rate, floating rate, everything, including a discussion on how the current scenario is. So stay tuned for that. Do you wish you were smarter? Well, so do we. But the next best thing, we could make you sound smarter. And to help you with this endeavor, we are Simplified, Ooh. a podcast uh, that attempts to break down the complex world around you with a little knowledge, a lot of poor jokes, and a ton of random trivia. Episodes out every Monday on the IVM Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. See ya. Folks, welcome to Paisa Paisa. I am your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and this is the home loan special. A lot of us want our dream house. A lot of us want, you know, a place to stay. It's a it's a big thing for a lot of people. Some people believe in renting, which is fine. But for a lot of us, you want to you 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 want to own the place where you stay. We've spoken about property in the past. We've done a couple of episodes uh, on home loan, but today. I've got someone from a housing finance company. Okay, so this is these 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 are the guys who actually give out home loans. They are really the experts in giving you an entire one eighty degree or three sixty degree perspective on home loans. I am really thrilled for this episode to have Mr. Rishi Anand, who is the Chief Business Officer at Aadhaar Housing Finance. Mr. Anand, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this for us, sir. Let's start with an introduction. Something about yourself, uh, how long you've been in the industry, and uh, a little bit more about Aadhaar also. First of all, thank you, Anupam, for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure. As you've already introduced, my name is Rishi Anand. I am currently working as a Chief Business Officer for Aadhaar Housing Finance. Overall, I've spent about close to about twenty-four years in the industry. Wow! So when I say in the industry, means all leading housing finance companies and banks. I've spent time. As I said, I am working for Aadhaar Housing Finance, which is. today the largest housing finance company in the affordable housing segment oh wow right. okay. so that's that's about me great so i want to just get you know into the current scenario talking about um, you know things like what are the rates currently maybe what is the emi i believe the way that you see an emi is e- emi per 1000 rupees that's okay. right so i want to start there and then if you can just go into this entire process of how do i become eligible for a home loan and what is the importance of credit score so let's 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 just start from there Okay, as uh, I think your first question is, what is the current scenario, and what are the rates prevailing in the market? Uh, I I would I would I would start uh, by by giving you a flavor of what housing loan is all about. As we see today, uh, the market can be broadly, uh, if I were right, classified into three segments. Uh, one is the prime segment, where typically the loan ticket size above thirty lakhs. Then you have something called the LMI segment, which is the lower middle income group segment, where the ticket size ranges from ten lakhs to thirty lakhs. and then you have the affordable housing segment which is below uh, 10 lakhs now if i correlate this to the rate of interest typically prime segment start from about 8.75 and if i bring it southwards it goes to about 13% wow. so typically an affordable housing finance company would range with with would operate at about 13% rate of interest so so typically these three uh, three segments exist in the market uh, as far as your uh, uh, emis are concerned they are typically calculated on a per lakh basis you know so you had you know, if it's if, if the rate is about 8.75 you would operate at about 900 rupees per lakh and so on so you know the, yeah, the yeah. you keep multiplying the lakhs to the emi sure 
So I just so just a small note for our listeners because the affordable housing thing is actually a government initiative. So it's a little bit different from say you know taking a normal from taking a loan for your house. I believe that the affordable housing segment has some tax incentives. You just touch upon that a little bit. Okay. First of all, let me correct you. It is not a government initiative. Ah. So affordable housing finance companies are housing finance companies catering to the lower strata of the society. Okay. So for example, if I were to just give you a flavor, uh, a typically a pan shop guy. Uh, fruit vegetable uh, vendor in the street so these are the uh, segments we cater to uh, what the government has done over a period of last 4 5 years uh, in fact more more importantly in the last 3 years is they've come out with a scheme called pmay which is pradhan mantri awas yojana yes under the cls scheme which is a credit linked subsidy scheme okay now in the affordable housing segment what the government does is if the customer is a first time end user buyer of the property they extend a subsidy of about two, close to about 2 and 1/2 uh, lakh rupees per applicant obviously there are conditions uh, to it you know there, there should be the property should be in name of the female owner etc etc but that is a very big huge government initiative which was taken by the current modi government in the previous stint sure. uh, where they where uh, uh, the, the government said that they wanted to have by to th- about 2022 they wanted to have maximize housing uh, house ownership for the affordable housing segment right right okay and 2022 is the year that we complete 50 years of independence that's I, right I, that's how I it's been positioned i believe that was the target yes so i want to get into the importance of credit scores out here mm-hmm. okay as someone who you know gives home loans to people can we just understand how how credit scores really work because i always get you know really confused there are so many instances i've seen of people with high credit scores not being able to get a loan so in your process of giving a home loan to a person mm-hmm. can you just walk us through uh, how you would evaluate a case what are the important things and where credit score sits in that in the entire scheme of things i i just want our listeners to figure out that if you know if he's going to submit his application for a home loan how do you as someone who's granting the home loan see that applicant okay now credit score is is a very important uh, uh, topic when it comes to extending any kind of lending facility not only home loans and when we evaluate a customer's application this plays a very important role but it also uh, depends on which category of customer it is now if i were to give you a little flavor on how it works in an affluent prime uh, housing finance company any credit score which is up of 750 points is considered to be a very good score now does that impact decision taking of uh, the person who's underwriting the application i would say yes to some extent it does but that is not the base of giving a home loan hmm. now uh, if i were to uh, give you a little flavor on on what aadhar does today 50% of my customers don't have a credit score at all 50% of your customers 50%. don't even have a credit score yeah because they are wow. first time ah, users yeah, yeah, you know yeah, first yeah. time they're taking a loan so they yeah. don't have any credit history now so so we go ahead and give them so what i was what i'm trying to say is that while credit score is very important but not the only parameter to give a home loan facility right. there are other things which we consider for example what is his current income stream what is the kind of property that he's buying so these are the two broad parameters we consider when ah. we extend a loan okay so the income level which is his annual income right. and the kind of property that is the he's kind buying. of property that is buying having said that now let's say a person who has a credit score which means he has some facilities which is taken in the past and if he has not defaulted in those facilities hmm. it becomes an added advantage okay even if he is defaulted in couple of them because of some genuine reasons and if those, those reasons are established properly with documentation etc we still go ahead and extend him a loan oh okay that is that is that is very interesting so so just to understand other as you know as a company that uh, we can uh, that our listeners can 
understand what would be the average ticket size of loans that you give because you said uh, you've got 50% under the affordable housing scheme That's so right. what would be the average there? so today uh, we operate at an average ticket size of what 8 lakh rupees okay that would be the size of loan that you give to people that's the size of loan we give okay now here's a uh, you know this is something that <laughs> it's such a tricky thing that uh, every time i i just don't have an answer to that i'm hoping that you can help me out out here interest rates on home loans what is the deal out here every time i see headlines of the rbi cutting rates in the monetary policy they've cut rates by 25 basis points or 50 basis points or whatever the number is why doesn't the home loan company pass on that benefit for me sometimes i see that i my tenure or my emi nothing has changed sometimes i see that only new borrowers get the benefit so how does this entire interest rate mechanism work okay so it's actually anupam very very simple uh let's say you take you're taking a home loan from any any housing finance company today so the mechanism it the way it works is today i borrow money from external sources whether it's banks or whosoever and it comes at a certain cost to me today when i uh, borrow at a cost i put up my spread on it and i give an extended loan to a end user let's say just to illustrate this let's say i borrow money at 10% i put a spread of 3% and i give it at 13% to the end user sure now tomorrow let's say the way you've explained that rbi cuts rate mm. when the rbi cuts rate let's say two years hence rbi is cutting rates so what happens to a housing finance company the 10% money that i had borrowed two years back today i get at 8% correct i still keep my spread at 3% and i can lend at 11% instead of 13% correct hence the rate for the new customer becomes 11% however huh. the money that i had borrowed at 13% two years back still remains at 13% for me ah so i can't pass on that benefit to the old customer okay having said that whenever uh, uh, our cost of fund which is the borrowing cost for me changes that uh, in that benefit is definitely passed on to the customer just to give you an illustration in the last two uh, in the last one year we've as as adhar housing finance cut the rate for the customers twice Oh, by okay. about twenty-five to fifty bips for existing customers. For existing customers, and just give us an idea about how this affects. I mean, and uh, where? So, how does this work? I mean, do I have a choice of either reducing my tenure of loan or reducing my EMI? Is there a choice out there, or do you just say that you can only reduce the tenure of the uh, of of the loan? How how does it work? So, it, it's for example, uh, today we deal with about one and a half lakh customer base. So, when whenever we cut rates, by default, it is reduction of the tenure. Okay. So, if now, I, sorry, go on, please. So, so by default, it's re- reduction of the tenure. Now, let's say a customer comes forward and say that you've reduced my tenure, but I wanted to reduce my EMI. So, even that is possible. So, we then go back and change the EMI. Okay. So that means that if I have a tenure or a fifteen-year loan, then every Twenty-five basis point cut in the home loan rate could reduce it by maybe I don't know six months, maybe, one year or something. Uh, like close that. to about a year. Close to about a year. Close Twenty-five bips cut means about a year less. Uh, close enough. to about a year, about nine months to twelve months, depending on what rate you're operating. Correct, on. correct, correct, correct. Okay, so um, I want to get into the process of the home loan right now. Um, how long does the entire process take? What are the documents required? Just roughly, mm-hmm. and you know what are the costs involved out here? Because I believe that there is. More than just the interest in the interest rate that I'm paying. So, what would be the approximate process and cost out here? See, end to end, Anupam, if I were to look at it, um, uh, anywhere between seven to ten working days, hmm. clean working days, is what is required to process a home loan application. So, when I say process a home loan application, means there are two parts to a home loan application. One is the sanction process. So, based on your income documents, a housing finance company would say you're uh, you're eligible for an X amount. Hmm. 
then part 2 part 2 is basically uh, which we in in our parlance called disbursement process is uh, we get hold of the property documents the property that the customer intends to buy we do a legal and technical of that property and process it so if i were to divide days about 4 days for sanction and about 5 days 5 to 6 days for the disbursement process because okay. there are external agencies involved in the disbursement process uh so uh, that is one hmm. second part of your question was regards to the cost typically how any housing finance company would operate or any bank which provides housing finance is one is the cost one major cost is the rate of interest hmm. right which is declared up front the second part of it is the processing fees or these days people call it login fees also okay which is typically which ranges typically between 2500 plus service tax to about 3500 plus service tax and then there is a portion of admin fees In total, both the fees put together ranges from anywhere between one percent to two and a half percent of the of the loan amount applied. Of the total loan amount. That's okay. right, and that's an upfront fee. That's an upfront fee. After that, there's I'm, I'm there are no other charges apart from that. Okay, so uh, from the time that I approach you to the time that I get the home loan, roughly it would be what two weeks, three weeks? About ten working days. Yes. Ten ten working days. Yes, Has this pro? You know, you've been in the industry for such a long time. How has this process been in the last, you know, whatever ten, twenty years? Has has it become better? And the reason why I'm asking this is because you know you see so many of uh, you see so many new fintech players and startups and all that which talk about digital, which which talk about technical. Right. Has this changed for the better for me as a consumer? Okay, if I were to go since, as I told you, I've spent about twenty-four years in the industry now. If I were to just you know rewind and go back twenty years. uh when I, i used to you know individually process applications uh, that's where i had that's how i started my career uh, i used to take about 20 25 working days to end to end from an application to disbursement right that has boiled down to about 7 to 10 working days today wow now where has where has the fintech and the digitization affected hmm. it they have affected primarily on the sanction side hmm. today i have on a push up button i have records of the customer i can verify his aadhar card i can verify his pan card i can you know verify his bank statements i can verify you know anything that he declares i can verify on a push up button sure so it helps me in the sanction process which initially would have been about 15 days which boiled down to now about 3 to 4 working days right now when it comes to the second part which is disbursement part i still have to get hold of physical documents of the property ah. i still have to go and verify them at the sub register office i still have to send a physical person to the property that he is buying mm. because property records in india are not digitized correct you know some states have some states don't have so yeah. unless you have that universal digitization only then it's going to create the effect yeah. so yes it's improved over 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 the last two decades uh, it, it has over the last 20 years it's it's improved hmm. from about 20 to 25 working days to about 7 to 10 today and that's happened because of the pfsi sector the financial services sector improving their record process but the real estate part of the entire thing is still slow it's still in process most of the states are still in process they've been and i as i as i hear they've been in process for about 4 5 years hmm. but yes there, there's good news news ahead you know most of the states have digitized some are in the process of doing it good to uh, hear yeah, that yeah. so before we go into break this is you know this is one question which i get a lot from listeners is where are the problem areas in the entire process from my perspective or even from your perspective as a lender to me as a borrower where you know i can understand eligibility if someone doesn't have that much of an income then maybe that is a simple yes or no decision for you that's right but is there any a uh, process either on the documentation side that a listener can actually understand from your perspective and improve on that so when he goes to you he has those right documents in place right so one is that you know that what what can improve the process of giving out the home loan and second would be from the real estate side is there anything that can actually you know you said digitization is one 
is there anything that i can do if i'm asking the seller of the property let's say that i am someone who wants you know to buy a a, a ready made house right. which is already being owned by someone and i buy it from him right is there something that i can insist upon for me ki bhai mujhe ye sab documents de do mera home loan jaldi aa jayega because for the seller also he's not going to get paid until you disperse the funds to him perfect okay so if we can just get an overview of the small problem areas in this entire process that hold up the time okay very very interesting question anpam and 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 that's where most of the customers get stuck up uh, again i will come back to dividing this into two parts sanction process documentation all across the industry is the same right if you are a self employed person 3 years income tax returns 6 months bank statements kyc documents that's all any housing finance company would need if you are a salaried customer 2 years form 16 6 months bank statement kyc documents so those should be easy to get this everybody holds every your, customer today holds these documents your, your company will give you the form 16 that's right bank statements are a download from a website of your bank that's right and if you are you, you can't download go walk up to your you know public sector bank or whichever bank and take a passbook Uh, update print out and and give us a photocopy okay very simple documentation based on which you get a sanction now the problem area the problem starts when you are on the property side as you said as you rightly said every individual who uh, intends to buy a ready made house the example that you took he should ask all the chain documents of the property photocopy upfront from the seller Mm. Now, some cases the seller, unless you give him an advance, he would not share those documents. But he can he can always cancel those documents, right? Cancel and give it to you. See what happens is, as I told you earlier, also we do external verification of property documents and visit on the property. Now, unless we have those property documents upfront, we will not be able to do it. For example, if I have to go to the sub register office and verify the thirteen years uh, title documents, I can do it only if I have physical copies. and more importantly when i get property documents on my hand i go and do a valuation of the property hmm. let's say you buying that ready made house the example that you gave me for 20 lakhs sure my valuation valuer goes and he says no because of external market condition xyz the value is 15 lakhs oh that's possible it's it's very much possible okay right now now the moment he says 15 lakhs my loan amount reduces by that amount that margin Oh right you you expected that i'll get 90% of 20 lakhs huh. now i am going to be giving you only 90% of 15 lakhs wow. you've you've ended in giving advance to the customer based on getting 90% of 20 lakhs correct right so it's always advisable to get the property papers up front and give it to a housing finance company who will verify not only the legal aspect of it but also the value of the property huh. and then you go and do your deal Yeah, but you know how this works, right? When I'm going to do the deal, I'll take a broker. The the seller will get the broker, and there is a number that is fixed upon out there, right? Okay. And I give a token to the person just so that that you know I can get the property. So that's right. Is there a way out out here? Because yes, uh, yeah, there is a way out. For example, you now already applied for sanction. You paid a processing fees to a housing finance company. Hmm. You can always give them the address of the property and tell them to do a valuation upfront. See, legal documentation. Ah, so you're saying before I approach the seller also. Ah, uh, seller, you know, seller will have to be informed because the external ah, okay, guy correct. will, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So you get a value. Okay. Now, as far as legal documentation is concerned, it's generally observed that you don't find any, you know, unless he's lost some documents in between, etc., etc. Hmm. Of which also you have legal ways out. Okay. Right. You okay. you take an affidavit and and put a newspaper ad, etc. So right. there are there are legal ways out of it. Unless he's lost the latest title document. Well, that's, then the transaction that's, doesn't happen. You, that's that's not something that you can. You know. So advisable step is to upfront inform the housing finance company that this is my property I'm buying. Please get a valuation term of the property. Okay. Okay. So then uh, see what happens today. Uh, let's say I fund ninety percent and you have to put in ten percent. The ten percent doesn't change. the the actual amount doesn't change for you right 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 so that's like saying i mean we can take the example that you said so i actually so i have uh, struck a deal with the seller for 20 lakhs that's right right so 
mentally i'm working at 18 lakhs loan and 2 lakhs upfront that's right that's 90% right and suddenly then you tell me that listen no we can only approve a value of 15 lakhs right so then boom my then your own equity increases by 5 lakhs 13.5 exactly so 13.5 lakhs is the loan and i have to now fund 5 lakhs 5 lakhs extra how common is this problem so this happens especially in uh, i would say suburbs it happens uh, you know deals happen at x value and the valuation because when we do valuation we take uh, you know uh, into account for example a very generic thing that what is going to be the property value 10 years hence hmm, hmm, you know is hmm. it going to depreciate appreciate and there are cases uh, there are sometimes you know my valuer will give a higher value also possible right yeah. Qu- quite possible yeah. uh, so so it happens in in i would say for out of 100 applications about 50 60 applications this problem arises right so just to get it right um the documentation that's required on the income side from the borrower is fine that should be easy enough to it's get it's very easy but the real estate document from the seller is somewhere where the problems usually arise so that's then right. there's a tip for the listener that if you're going to buy a house then sit down with your seller probably sit down with your broker if you're using a broker and then uh, i assume that the housing finance company will give a list of documents from the seller that's required title that's right. deed that's right share certificate ownership noc and all the kind of stuff depending on the kind of property every housing finance company has a list of documents okay you would for example if you're buying a under construction developer property let's say a hiran andani property right so there will be a list of document with a housing finance company this is what you need to get yeah, yeah. i mean right? so the, uh, i'm assuming that when you buy a property straight from a developer the process is far easier it's far far easier the developer is probably tied up with the with most of the housing finance yeah. companies the big developers were tied up yeah. so you see what happens in under construction properties you have to go and vet the entire land Hmm. legally so wow. we do that upfront so that the end user doesn't face those problems so that's th- that much time which is you reduced it's reduced okay but the tricky part happens if you're you know probably entering into a deal of an older house where like you said the change of documents might or might not be available right. and the tricky part because you know when you buy a developer property uh-huh. the the price of the property is fixed for everybody ah uh-huh. right let's say there are 100 units all 100 units same price oh yeah yeah so there's no valuation issue there there's no serious valuation issue there might be you know 50000 here and there but there is no serious and, and that 50000 also because you know there will be things like club charges etc hmm. so because of that the valuation might differ hmm. so, but in in individual houses which are old properties valuation is let's say access to market access to closest transport so these things you know affect the valuation of the property folks for the for actually for the more product decisions actually stay stay tuned because we're going to be right back on the other side of this break folks this is the home loan special on pesa pesa Hey everybody, welcome to another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. You know, the greatest place on earth to work on. If you're interested in working with us, please do send us your resume careers at indusvox.com. We're looking for people in business roles, we're looking for people in creative roles, we're looking for audio engineers, graphic designers, all kinds of things. So please do apply. Also wanted to ask everybody please tell a friend about your favorite podcast on the IVM network. We really do depend on your word of mouth. You are our biggest ambassadors and we'd really really appreciate all of your support. Also if you are enjoying what you listen to take a screenshot tag us on social media and we will repost that. On the scene in the unseen Amit Verma is joined by journalist Namita Bhandare to talk about the job crisis for women in India. On the final episode of the Rani Screwala podcast we do a Q&A where Rani answers questions sent in from listeners as well as other podcast hosts from the IVM network. On Marvel's Lost and Found, Avanti and Zen talk to therapist Ishita Patelia about eating disorders and how to deal with them. On the Edges and Sledges Cricket podcast, Ashwin and DJ are discussing the women's and men's ashes. The slate of cricketers retiring, India's performance versus the West Indies, Zoni's contributions to the Indian Army, and a lot more. Last week, we released the season finale of the first season of Equity Sahiya. Tune into the show to listen to fascinating and insightful conversations about equity and various sectors in India you could invest in. The last two episodes feature special guest Ramdev Agarwal, co-founder of the Motilal Aswal Group. Check those out to learn more about his inspirational journey. This show was brought to you by the Motilal Aswal Asset Management Company. 
On IBM Likes, IBM staffers Abbas Saishri and debutante Antarik sit down to discuss their go-to pop culture during the monsoon. On our Kannada podcast, Thalle Harate, Professor Zabiullah and Shant Kumar Patil talk to Pawan and Surya about the Dakni language and its history. On 9XM Soundcast, host Eva Bhatt is joined by an Indian-Canadian singer, Jonita Gandhi. She started her music career by singing covers on YouTube and they discuss her journey from Canada to Mumbai, people who supported her and how one should deal with trolls and negative comments on social media. On paperback, hosts Satyajit Roy and Racheta Sharma are joined by the writer and creative editor Himali Kothari. She discusses the process of meticulously writing and rewriting a story. And with that, let's get you on with your show. And welcome back to this episode of Pesa Vesa. I'm talking with Mr. Rishi Anand, Chief Business Officer at Aadhaar Housing Finance. And this is the home loan special. I, I just remember this case study because I actually heard this from a friend. Um, What happens if, let's say that there are three applicants to a loan, maybe or two applicants to a loan. Uh, how easy or difficult does the process become for you as a lender? Okay, does things change? I mean, does then do you take the profile of all three? Because what happens is maybe on my own salary, I might not be eligible for, you know, a loan. I might have to take my mother, father, wife or whoever it is, their documents also to, you know, to strengthen the process. Right. In your experience, you know, oh, how does that process work? Is that prone to more problems? Like, I don't know, you find that a credit history of someone who's a co a co-applicant has a problem then does that hold up the process okay let me, uh, let me get back to your first part of the question any housing finance company or any housing finance application there is a mandatory requirement of having a co-applicant oh right okay so it can yeah. be it can be your spouse parents brother sister if you're not married brother sister etc etc uh, uh. if you're married we generally prefer to have things spouses what's the reason for that it's primarily from a contactability perspective ah, you know okay. uh, that uh, to or let's say you're traveling abroad and we need to contact you mm. EMI bounce etc mm. etc et so the co-applicant is contacted and that's mandatory now it's mandatory if you don't have a co-applicant then housing finance company prefer having one guarantor for contactability uh, perspective okay but the guarantor again has to give a guarantee if anything goes wrong then it's his neck on the line uh, it is not a financial guarantee but okay. he is a guarantor okay. okay legally speaking yes if if you were to, you know, pull default it through door. the court, etc. Yeah. Default cases, yes, he has, he's a guarantor. Okay, so, get, so getting so, back to so, uh, coming back to your co-applicant question. Uh, so one is mandatory. Now let us say, uh, based on your income, you, the kind of loan that you need is not does not suffice. Uh, yes, most of the housing finance company, in fact, all the housing finance companies add on the co-applicant's income. Okay. Now here also, let's say you say you take my brother's income. So we will not. You know, brother is a separate individual. <laughs> he might tomorrow intend to buy a separate property. Yeah. So spouse income can be added back. Parents income can be added back. Hmm. Uh, that is part one of your question. Part two is, is there an issue with the credit score of that individual who is a co-applicant? Does that become a problem? Yes, that becomes a problem. Because you're taking his income into consideration. Interesting. So if there are two applicants and co-applicants whose income is being considered, for everybody, credit history has to be good. Ah. So even one person whose credit history is a little bit ऊपर नीचे आगे पीछे तो प्रॉब्लम हो जाएगा प्रॉब्लम हो जाएगा उसको लोन पे रखना नहीं चाहिए वाओ सो यू देन आई हैव टू दैट इट्स प्रोबेबली अ गुड आइडिया फॉर मी टू सॉर्ट आउट माय क्रेडिट्स को बिफोर कमिंग टू यू आई वुड से यस बट इफ यू हैव रीजंस जेन्युइन रीजंस वी वुड डेफिनेटली कंसीडर इट आई वुड वांट टू ऐड हियर लेट अस से दैट यू एंड योर स्पाउस वांट टू कम फॉर अ लोन इन जस्ट एन इलस्ट्रेशन यू हैव अ गुड क्रेडिट हिस्ट्री योर स्पाउस हैज डिफॉल्टेड and uh, just because she is defaulted and you give us a guarantor and want to want us to process an application we will not do that ha ah, interesting you know because it is uh, it is the family history of okay. a default okay so spouse defaulted we will definitely ask for her kyc and do a civil the way we call it civil check ah. you know if she is defaulted then if you have an explanation fine 
Haan, that's what, that, that's exactly what I was coming the explanation right? because a lot of us have credit cards right 10 years ago I might have defaulted on some tiny thing right close the mm. credit card right you know so is do, do, do you guys have a list of okay this is a real bad crime this is not such a bad crime or whatever it is yes uh, to 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 your point yes we do have and uh, generally the example that you gave me a 10 years old credit card it was used to be there is used to be something called the annual fees issues yeah, yeah, something right? like that to us my annual fees nahi diya not that has built up to quite a few lakhs that, that, right? that, that's yeah, how it happens yeah, yeah. yeah we do we do consider that as and every deviate and move ahead yeah that's right because you know if i'm fighting with the credit card company on the annual fees i'll say just close my account that's right and, and they would have not closed for 6 months for example exactly so since 6 months the amount would have built because it is compounding interest yeah. right so we we do consider and they are not interested in recovering it i have never going to pay and they will never even have called you yeah but they since they've reported to sibil it will always stand on your record yeah <laughs> but but I, I think as I would see it, ninety percent of the housing finance company consider such cases and move ahead. Okay, but the most serious issues would be probably defaulting on a. Let's say you have a car loan and you defaulted, ah. not paid. Car picked up. Ah. You have an existing housing loan, not paid, picked up. Ah. Gold loan, not paid. So all this reflects on your, you know, uh, strings. The, the way we call it, string. Okay, and how does that hit me on the loan part? Okay, does uh, a does my loan get rejected outright? B does my interest rate go up okay c am i is my eligibility lower what is the impact of these things? okay let's say let's say uh, some serious defaults housing loan uh, vehicle loan it's an outright reject okay right and let's say you've defaulted on a one emi and you've paid 13 and one default one bounce and you've paid again hmm. it's not a serious offense you've okay. paid huh. right it's not serious offense let's say out of 12 you've you've bounced Three EMIs and paid three EMIs. Hmm. We might want to, you know, because of risk increases, we might want to price it by twenty-five bips higher. Right, right. Okay. But you've seriously defaulted and become an NPA in a housing loan. It's out. Right? That's Reject. out. That's out. So it, there's a lot of discretion involved. Yes, there's a lot of discretion. You probably need to also approach, you know, the housing company, or the housing finance company, sit with them, talk it out. Maybe that also helps. And that's what I said. You know, if yeah. you have a genuine reason of the default, let's say I have not paid my three months EMI for a housing loan because there I I met with an accident. I was in the hospital for three months. It's very genuine reason. Sure. I would yeah. take the hospital records and I would go ahead and give him a loan. Correct. Yeah. फिर आजकल तो salary मिलती नहीं time पे sir. हाँ अगर सैलरी नहीं मिल रही है इफ यू हैव रिकॉर्ड्स राइट सो फॉर एग्जांपल माय ईएमआई द लोन दैट यू हैव टेकन ईएमआई हिट्स ऑन सेवेंथ यू गेट सैलरी ऑन टेंथ सो एवरी मंथ यू बाउंस एंड देन यू पे इट्स अ जेन्युइन इश्यू बट दीज दीज आर स्पेसिफिक क्वेरीज दैट यू गाइस विल हैव टू प्रोबली सेट विद द हाउसिंग फाइनेंस कंपनी टू फिगर आउट सर लेट्स गेट इनटू फर्स्ट हाउ डज द फ्लोटिंग रेट होम लोन वर्क वर्सेस द फिक्स रेट होम लोन okay and what would be your advice because i believe that where we are right now um, i think the rbi has already cut interest rates twice in the last whatever maybe one year or and they're saying that maybe there are a few more cuts i know that the rbi has changed their stance from uh, neutral to accommodative right so first i want to just get a general idea how do fixed uh, a fixed home loan versus a f- a floating, floating home loan and second is what would be your advice to listeners great okay uh, no no as as the word itself says fixed and floating fixed means that you take a loan today you opt for a fixed rate of interest and for the tenure of the loan let's say you opted for a 10 year loan the rate of interest remains fixed irrespective of what is happening in the market okay let's say rate goes up rate goes down for you the rate that you've locked in gets locked in and over a 10 year period you don't know as a borrower where rates will go yeah you never know so it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a prediction of of that individual you know that you might think that the rate is going to go up in the future should i lock myself today hmm. so that's how fixed rates operate floating rate on the other side uh, is is something a rate which is linked to the prime lending rate of the company 
right? So prime lending rate generally is arrived by uh, the cost of fund plus the spread that the company wants to keep. You arrive onto a lending rate, uh, and if that cost of fund is changing, the spread being constant, let's say my cost of fund increases, so your uh, rate of effective rate of interest also increases because it's a floating rate. If my cost of fund tomorrow dips, as you've, you've given example that RBI has cut rates, etc, etc. If my cost of fund dips, the effective rate for the customer dips. So in, in a falling rate scenario, in a floating rate, the customer benefits. In a rising rate scenario, the customer does not benefit. So okay. that's the basic difference between a floating and very layman, you know. Uh, are there any charges out here that if I want to shift from a fixed loan to a floating rate, are there any charges? Like I might change my mind five years down the line? Yes, if you at any given point in time change your mind, move from one structure to the other structure, there are charges okay. which ranges between anywhere between 0.5 to 1% of the loan outstanding that point in time. At that point in time. Okay, that's please right. go on. Yeah. So so that, that's how it operates. Now, now to the second part of your question that in the current scenario, what is happening? Uh, while RBI has announced some cuts in the rate, Effectively, the way it works, Anupam, is uh, is my cost of fund, as in the cost at which I borrow from banks, I borrow from open market, uh, from, from capital markets. Does that change or not with the RBI announcement? Uh, see, what is happening today is uh, while RBI announces uh, a rate cut, which might not be a direct rate cut on home loan or on lending loan, uh, it is generally uh, assumed that the final rate should be, should get cut. And I explained in one of the questions yes, earlier yes, yes, that, you know, uh, effectively, if my cost of fund yes. is reducing or not, it depends on that. Correct. So if my cost of fund after the RBA rate cut reduces, which means my banks from whom I had borrowed that one time have reduced my rate, the, uh, the effect is passed on to the customer. Okay. So that's how it operates. Right. In a fixed rate, nothing is passed on. In a floating rate, the effect is passed on. Both ways. Right. So, if it increases, you have to bear that increase. If it reduces, you get that benefit. What is the difference, Mota Mota, right now between the two rates? Uh, so, uh, it uh, generally 100 bips, so 1%, 1 bip, 100 bips is 1% yeah. is the difference between fixed and floating. So, fixed, if you let's say my rate today is 12% on a floating, mm. uh, uh, if you want to opt for a fixed rate, it will generally be 13%. Okay. So about 100 bips variance. So fixed is higher than fixed floating. is higher than fixed floating. is higher by about 100 basis points. Because see the risk is on both sides. Right? Right. While while the individual customer also takes that risk, he doesn't know how it's going to pan out in right. the next 10 years. Even the company takes that risk. Today I extend a loan to you at 13 percent, and tomorrow if the rate of interest goes 17 percent, what hmm. happens? Hmm. So both both the parties are taking equal risk. Hence it's, it's that's how it's priced. Okay, it's interesting yeah, because it almost sounds to me like a manufacturing product. And if my cost of manufacturing goes down, I'll pass it to you. Yeah. If it does, if if it goes up, I'll pass it to so you. So actually. It's a manufacturing setup only. <laughs> yeah, because you know, I'm not going to change my margin. Her margins Th- remain. Margin remain you fixed. would not yeah. want to, you know, as as someone who's selling a product, you do you want to protect your margins. That's so, right. You know, uh, that's that's how it works. Okay. Um, how do switching of home loans work? I have done, in fact, uh, a series with 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 Aditya Mishra of Switch Me In, but I just want to revisit the process of switching home loans. How mm-hmm. does that work? And you know, should you do it? Should you not do it? How does it work? Because I, th- I think here again, people are a little bit confused as to whether A, this is even possible and B, what are the costs? Okay, first we have to understand why do people switch loans? Uh, by switching loan, I mean, uh, I think you mean, you mean that from one company, you move your loan to the other company, yes. right? Uh, why do people switch? Now, let's say uh, uh, he has a customer has an existing housing finance, com- uh, housing finance loan. And tomorrow he needs some more money. He would typically approach his current uh, financer and say that you give me a, in our parlance called top-up loan, give me an additional amount. Now let's say that housing finance company does not have a policy of giving a top-up loan. That is the time person opts for switching. Hmm. So because when he switches the loan to a different housing finance company, there are options of giving a top-up loan to the customer. Because over a period of time, the property value would have increased. Hmm. So you have margin 
you know the the housing finance company has a margin now so we extend top up loans mm-hmm. this is one of the most important reasons why people switch loans okay. second important thing is uh, rate of interest let us say that the rate of interest and that there is the point comes about giving you know fresh customers having lower rates yes, yes. now let's say that you've taken a loan 5 years back hmm. your rate over a period of time has increased to a 10 from a 10% to a 13% correct however there is an ex housing finance company giving you a fresh loan at 8% correct you would want to switch a 13% loan to an 8% loan today oh, would it is a big, big it's gap. a very easy process approach the new housing finance company the process is the same he gives you a fresh sanction um, he takes the photocopies of the property papers and disburses the loan in favor of the housing finance company where you already have a loan okay but there so it's a very simple process yeah, there would be some processing charge out there from the, the processing charges and everything remains the same okay and there's no valuation process again out here right no there will be a valuation again process. everything will be the same oh, so process remains take, same i'm taking a fresh home loan you're taking a fresh home loan wow. instead of giving a check to the seller in a fresh case here the check goes to the housing finance company from where you had a loan so theoretically if his valuation says something else then again i have to go through the entire process of which 99% cases will not happen ah. because over a period of time the valuation always increase go up yeah right so right okay so um last few questions okay first of all a lot of us or at least this new generation i would say has been told that don't ever buy a house rent a house okay which is i'm not going to go into the the whether that's good or bad or whatever it is uh, i personally you know i've been a believer that if you really want your own house and if you think that you want it then, then you're the best person to decide that's that. right. there's, there's no point listening to someone who's saying that renting deals are only 2% home loan rates are 10% so why will you ever buy you know so i don't want to go into that debate i just want to go into the very simple debate or rather the your opinion or view that today if someone is been waiting really for a long period of time to buy his own house to stay in mind you okay this is a a property that he wants to stay in investment in a home property is a totally the end user i end don't user. want to go into that hmm. yeah what's called end user end what's user. called consumption what is your view of where the market is today or maybe in the last 2 3 years how it has moved because we're in 2019 okay i can't remember for a long period of time where property rates have actually gone up mm-hmm. okay but then again as someone who's an end, end user why should that matter to me right okay so i just want to get your perspective here Okay, I will still uh, while while I didn't want to discuss, but I will still want to touch that Indian, you know, uh, piece. See, it is it is it's a cultural difference. The way we've been brought up over years, uh, over generations, not years, is that you know you need to create an asset for your future. Mm-hmm. You need to create an asset for your next generation's future. That's yeah. how we've been you know brought up. Yeah. Unlike the West, right? Yeah. And that that is what triggers the requirement of a house today. Yeah. And I I I still believe that you know. Um, Uh, given our rural population and non-urban population, ninety percent of the people still believe in owning an asset. Correct. Now the second part of your question is: is uh, uh, is it the right time to you know buy a property for an end end use? I would say the last and, and rightly so. The last couple of years have not seen an upsurge in the property prices. Simple reason: supply is higher than the demand today. And if I were an end end user and if I want to buy a property, which I did last year in Bombay. Um, it's an opportunity because the prices of the same property are rock bottom today hmm. right and and is the demand going to go up in the future i think with all the incentivization that the government of india is doing uh, whether it is pmy clss and and the tax shops the pri- prices should look northwards now so it's the right time stay invested get your property in place hmm. and i've also heard that if you actually sit across the table with the builder 
you you get beautiful discounts is that what you're hearing from the market is yeah, yeah, very much, very so much. real estate developers if you sit down with them what they advertise in the papers and if you're someone who's a genuine interested buyer you think there's a scope for actually hitting for a good discount yes you do get good discounts and that's what you've seen in the market also that's in right. the last few days. and that's, that's that's again for under construction properties uh, under construction properties okay okay great sir last for you know if if you can just leave our listeners with a with a general idea of what exactly is other housing finance its background the products it offers and if our listeners want to get to you or to your company how do they reach out great so other housing finance as i said in my opening statement is one of the largest housing finance companies in the affordable segment so we serve the underserved today right as as i told you our average ticket size is about 8 lakhs we cater to anybody in the in in the marketplace from a from a vegetable vendor to a kirana shop guy to an auto driver sure. so so we touch uh, the segment which is untouched uh, which is underserved and and they are actually end users i we we spoke we spoke about end users yes, yes, they are the actual end users they typically would not have a property they would be staying in a rented accommodation mm. and we help them build their own homes Other housing finance has been in the market for about about seven eight year, eight years now, hmm. serving about one and a half lakh customers today, okay. and growing at about close to about twenty twenty five percent per annum. We spread across about three hundred eleven branches today in about twenty states in the country. So length and breadth of the country, we are there today. You're based in Bombay. You're based in. So we are headquartered in Bombay. Okay. And 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 in twenty states today. So every every state you would see a branch of other housing finance. Okay. Uh, and if if anybody who wants to get in touch with us, there are there are various ways of getting in touch with us. Sure. So as I told you, we have about three hundred eleven branches. Uh, our website uh, uh, would have a list of those branches in the branch locator. Then the the simpler way of getting in touch with us is is the toll free number, which is. One eight zero zero three zero zero four two zero two zero. Sure. I'll repeat. One eight zero zero three double zero four two zero two zero. Okay. And our website address is uh, adharhousing dot com. That's double a d h double a r. Double a d h a r h o u s i n g. Adharhousing dot com. Adharhousing dot com. Okay. And there are there are you visit that website, folks. It's a very interesting website. And if you have any questions, you can put it out there. Mr. Anand gave us the uh, the toll free number where you can talk to them if you want to know more. Sir, thank you so much for helping our listeners understand the home loan product, and thank you so much for taking out the time for Paisa Paisa, folks. That is a wrap on the home loan special. My guest, Mr. Rishi Anand, Chief Business Officer at Adar Housing Finance, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, Arupam. My pleasure. Thank you. No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision. Hey guys, this is me Eva Bhatt, your host for the podcast 9XM Soundcast. This podcast is produced by India's largest music network 9X Media. We have been catering music and you have been enjoying and now we bring you a podcast where music inspires. Every week I interact with some of the best minds from the music industry to understand their creative discipline. Every new episode will feature artists who will share inspiring notes from their journey, some valuable tips for budding artists. So do subscribe to the podcast where music inspires. Enjoy a brand new episode of 9XM Soundcast every Tuesday on IVM Podcast app or website or wherever you get your podcast from. Are you looking for India's most awesome cricket podcast? Are you now tired of listening to the same old guys drone on about cricket everywhere? Edges and Sledges is a weekly cricket podcast hosted by three fans of the game, Varun, DJ, and myself, Ashwin. 
It was established in early 2018, has over 60 episodes now, and is of course now proud to be on the IVM Podcast Network. Each week, we get together from three different time zones, the USA, the UK, and Singapore, and we talk about things from the world of cricket, with a focus on Indian cricket. We often interview special guests from all around the world, including former cricketers and cricket media personalities. So check out Edges and Sledges, the cricket podcast, now on the IVM Network.